0: Welcome to the Mom Empowerment Podcast. This is the place where we help parents live a happy, healthy life with their kids, even when they are experiencing their most challenging behaviors. We're going to show you how to connect with your child and help them in their most difficult moments as we hear from experts in the field. I'm your host, Dr. Jacobowski, an international speaker public school principal and former struggling student. The Mom Empowerment Podcast equips parents with science-based strategies to help you live a happy, healthy life with your kids. Welcome. Did you sign up for my Happy Kids webinar yet? I am so excited about this. Okay, for one hour on May 13th, 7 p.m., Thursday night, I'm gonna share with you this amazing collaborative problem-solving process that I've learned over time, and it's simple steps that you can take today to help your kid when they're struggling, having a challenging, challenging moment. Maybe they shut down when you talk to them, or they have difficulty calming down after a tantrum. This process works. I am living proof of it, and I can't wait to share it with you. Please join me. Sign up today. You can register by either following the link in the description or text me your full name and email address, and we'll get you registered 302 312 6025. Text your full name and your email address, and we'll register you today. And don't worry if you can't show up for the event or something comes up, we'll save it and send it to you. You can watch it on your own time after that. But don't miss out. I think you will really, really find something helpful in this training. All right, so 302-312-6025. Text your full name and your email address or click the link in the description below. Hope to see you there. Well, I am so excited to have Dr. Shahana Alapai in our show today. Dr. Alibi's parents escaped Uganda as refugees and landed in Canada. Dr. Alapai was raised to find a stable and safe career, but before hitting submit on her application to medical school, she stopped and realized her love of fitness because as a high schooler, she took night classes to become certified fitness instructor at the age of 16. She ended up going back and clicking submit on that medical school application and practices as a family doctor today while mother of three energetic boys. She's a motivating and inspiring public speaker and famous for her TED Talk, Emotional Literacy for Better Mental Health. But like each of us, she has a story. After completing her residency in family medicine and birthing her first son, the stressors of life caught up with her. As much as she knew how to maintain a healthy lifestyle, she found herself at rock bottom, suffering with postpartum anxiety and feeling alone. Dr. Alipai, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Can you take us back to the time you were dealing with postpartum anxiety? How were you feeling? What symptoms were you experiencing? And how and when were you able to get help?
1: I think it's so thank you, first of all, for bringing up this important topic. Because when somebody has a child, a lot of the times we talk about postpartum depression, and people might look out for signs and symptoms of those. But postpartum anxiety is really the lesser known counterpart. And even since my oldest son, when this all happened, was born five years ago, more and more is being talked about with postpartum anxiety. But yet, a lot of women continue to suffer in silence. Postpartum anxiety is just an umbrella term that can encompass having panic attacks at random periods of time, it can encompass having um, intrusive thoughts like OCD type tendencies as well. Or it can just be a generalized feeling of being so keyed up on edge that you, are, you feel like you're unable to operate. For me, I recognize now that I always probably suffered with some sort of tendency or leniency towards anxiety. And in fact, I also had um, what, what, what is called OCD, but it's only the uh, obsessional part of it where you have some intrusive thoughts it's very scary as a mom, 90% of women have these thoughts, could harm come to my baby? Could I be the source of harm coming to my baby? And even me just articulating this, I'll tell you takes a lot of courage, because sometimes I hide behind the umbrella of Oh, it's postpartum anxiety, because that's a lot more accepted. But the minute you say postpartum OCD, or intrusive thoughts, or what those thoughts could entail. It's buckets of shame and buckets of guilt. And I drowned in that. And I'm only saying this because um, during the time that I was suffering, a woman that I knew uh, took her own life due to postpartum. And it still is hard to talk about. It's still hard to wrap your head around. But all I can say is I can see when you're buried in that shame and guilt and don't want to talk about it, how those thoughts of I don't want to be here anymore can come to mind. So it is such an important thing to talk about. So for me, yes, it was those intrusive thoughts. Could I harm my child in any ways and how awful that made me feel? But it took me about nine months to actually even recognize it. And it was this tiny little blog post that someone had written that this very courageous woman wrote about. And I was like, yes, I'm not alone. That's it. And then there was a label to it. I didn't even know it was called postpartum OCD. And I'm a physician. And then I began to search it. And then I began to say, okay, there's millions of women who have this. It's actually very common. It often gets misdiagnosed. But then it was the long road to recovery. And that started off with just reaching out to an anonymous physician health line. So from there, it was speaking to to psychiatrists and counselors, considering medication. But moreover, it's taken me even five years to do this, to have this conversation, to talk openly and to not and to forgive myself, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, well, I think what's so beautiful about you being open, especially even on this episode and and for our listeners, so many times we, we as women go through things and we just think I'm the only one going through it. And we're so, well, we're our worst critics, right? We know that, but we say it, but I love how you're just so, you've gotten to a place to be able to share your story that hopefully someone listening might be like, Oh my gosh i i'm not alone and they don't have to be scared afraid or alone and i know you had said earlier that as a physician you're like shoot i'm the one who's supposed to be telling people they have this problem and here like how how am i supposed to like admit that i have these these symptoms right but just for the very fact that you you did seek it out which is probably one of the largest hurdles to have to overcome to just make that phone call right just open my mouth and say to someone this is kind of what I'm, I'm feeling. But I, my hope is that this, this, this episode will give moms and those listening hope that the, the benefits you reap of just, just, just open your mouth and say it to, to that right person, right? It's,
1: and I think we live in a society that puts motherhood on a pedestal, right? And that's not a bad thing. Of course, I understand. It is a wonderful journey to be pregnant. But the minute you get that positive sign on a pregnancy test, we think that everything is all unicorns and rainbows. And it isn't, right? It isn't. And I think a lot of people, because having a child can be so difficult in such a long road, by the time the baby comes, you think, I don't have a ground to complain because I finally have my ticket. I finally have the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And you have to realize that when you add anxiety and sleep deprivation and now caring for this tiny little newborn and then wrapping it up in a package where you have to look perfect while doing it that's a hard standard to live by and I think we talked about this too a little bit before is that don't you find that we as women I don't think we're very supportive of each other right when you look at a woman a mother who seems to have it all together the first thought is not oh I'm proud of you it's what are you doing you must have help you must (laughs) compare
0: compare and then you see that perfect picture even on social media and you're yeah. like, crap, I can't say what I'm really going through because it looks like nobody's going through any of that, but there's always a story behind it.
1: Yes. Comparison is a thief of joy. And I wish I had known that earlier on.
0: <laughs> but Comparison is a thief of joy. I love that.
1: I, and I'll be the first to admit that I looked at a lot of moms going, oh, why couldn't I be? Why shouldn't I be? And this, and I had a counselor once tell me that, Shahana, you're shoulding all over yourself. I should do this and I should do that and I should. And she's like, stop, speak kind to yourself and realize that when are you going to start believing that you as a whole, your perfections, your flaws, your everything is enough for you, right? And I think we accept that fully, hopefully in our partners or in our, in our children, but we never accept that in ourselves.
0: So hard, so yeah. hard. We're so forgiving of others and we yeah. need to forgive ourselves. And I love that you brought up um, it being enough. And I'm, we're going to get to that in a minute because I, I just, there's, that's a really beautiful topic we're going to touch on in a minute. Um, so, in your TED talk, and I'm going to switch gears for a second. In your TED talk, you mentioned we know all too well how to run ourselves down by saying we should be doing something, we're not. And we listen to that internal dialogue running in our mind, that all too familiar negative self talk. And then we just end up feeling frustrated, guilty, and alone. You say the first step is to learn to be aware. Can you walk us down that path of what that looks like? We think we know what that is, but help us understand that more.
1: And it sounds like such an easy term. So self-awareness is one of the building blocks of building emotional literacy. And emotional literacy is, once again, this huge umbrella term. You know, your EQ, how well are you able to recognize and identify emotions in yourself? and others, and use that in a constructive way to build empathy, to build relationship. So that's EQ, you know, in a big nutshell, but one building block of EQ is really self-awareness. And I think of self-awareness as having very of a similar tenor as mindfulness in some ways. It's the ability to recognize that you are not your thoughts right? There's this great example that Andy Petticombe, the founder of Headspace, gives, right? This idea that there's a lightning storm and you're watching this thunder and rain from the inside and you're watching it and you're observing it versus being in that rain completely drenched and soaked. So which one would you prefer? Many of us are being soaked by our thoughts, being drenched, being flooded, right? We don't have the capability to take a step back and actually observe what we're thinking without feeling that we are so um, in it. And I think when it comes to self-awareness, it's the idea, first of all, that you have this running commentary always in your head. You know, Michael Singer, like a New York Times bestselling author, says it best. It's like it's your inner roommate. You have this inner roommate in your head, but nobody ever defines it that way. And if you asked anybody to say, do you even listen to the thoughts in your head? People might think, I'm not crazy. Nobody's crazy. It's the fact that it's your own voice that you're talking to yourself. So I think once we understand what that running commentary, what that inner roommate is saying, you can start to identify, be self-aware as to what kind of thoughts, what kind of emotions are you having? What kind of feelings, behaviors are you participating in? And that takes curiosity. And it's very hard to be curious when you feel like your cup is empty. So for me, this is not scientifically proven, but this is my belief that one of the rate-limiting steps for especially mums to have that mindfulness to be self-aware is that we feel like our cup is so empty, we feel such internal exhaustion that it's really hard to be curious about how we're thinking.
0: And is that what you take on, on your speaking events where you talk about how to start those steps to take care of yourself, to fill, to 100%. get to the place, to be curious? hundred percent. Exactly. That's awesome. you know,
1: it's so easy to say, just be self-aware.
0: <laughs> right? Right. Self-aware. And it's such a term that's kind of thrown around. We all know, you know, that was self-care, self, self-aware. Oh, but what is it? We know it, but are, is anybody really doing something about it? I don't know. That's a whole other... You
1: know exactly. Hurdle. If I gave you, you know, a day at the spa and you know an out two hour counseling session and a private yoga, I think you would be suddenly miraculously feeling a lot more grounded and relaxed. And that versus maybe you're like me and you have three kids under the age of five and you feel like I tell my husband all the time, I don't need time, I need space. I need physical space, I need mental space, I need emotional space because Especially as a busy mom, you're all, people are always so close to you in emotions, in their speech, in everything that they do. So I think moms
0: especially
1: need a little bit of a breather. And if they get that, then they are allowed to explore themselves.
0: And to recognize, A, that you need it. B, yeah. are you in a safe enough support structure to, to vocalize get. that, right? Yeah. It's one thing to know it. It's another to actually say that to your family and have to be able to respect and give you that? What, yeah. what kinds of things do you do to give you that space? What, what gives that to you?
1: So for me, exercise is a huge thing. Like, you know, if it's going for a run, going for a walk, leaving the house premises, like I need to be gone. So getting that fresh air and listening to podcasts, because I think we talked about this too. You put some someone telling their story in your ear and you travel. You travel with them. And I love listening to these kind of biography type stories. Like I just listened to one by Melinda Gates on the Brene Brown podcast. And it was enlightening to hear about this woman who obviously is, has done such incredible work, but to hear about her beginnings. She started off like any one of us, right? So I love hearing about the real struggles that people have and how they've overcome it. And that is very grounding for me. Yoga, obviously, obviously, I'm lucky to have a good support system with parents and my sister and things like that. But I think even then, sometimes you just need that inner quiet or um, and that's usually found in nature, right? Going outside.
0: I love that. So you had already studied nutrition, exercise and medicine for 10 years, but you still found yourself dealing with all these symptoms we mentioned earlier. You said you found the missing link, link, healthy thinking, can you share with us what you mean, I mean we'd all think of what that means what would mean but can you break that down for us what is that or how could we even start thinking that maybe it's it's going to help us realize oh i kind of think along those lines already healthy yes. thinking
1: I know it was one of those things where i didn't want to put a finite Uh, definition on it so it just had to be think better so what by that I mean I once again listening to a podcast Tony Robbins and he said something that changed my life forever and it was this idea that your brain's job is not to make you happy it's your job to make you happy your brain's job is not to make you happy it's your job so this idea that you can't walk around life thinking that I'm going to feel happy at random times, you actually have to train that ability. And I wish someone had told me that. I thought this was a coincidental thing. You know, something great happens, I feel happy. Something bad happens, I don't feel happy. And of course, our emotions, our energy in motion, they wax and they wane with time. But there are other things that you can do to bring out the best of you, the best of a situation, or even the fact that you it's okay to recognize how you feel observe it, and then move on. Instead of what a lot of us do, it says, I don't feel frustrated, I don't feel angry. you're, you're, You're constantly negating how you feel. So I think it was this aspect of what are the different tools and techniques I can use to train my brain to look at any situation in a little bit of more of a positive light.
0: And is that what you mean by your pyramid that you
1: share? Exactly. So the pyramid, the foundation really is think better. So it was this idea that I spent my life in the middle half of the pyramid, the eating better and the exercise, the eating better. And I thought I could work my way out of any problem with that. And honestly, when I was going through the really difficult time with postpartum anxiety, I sat down one day and just drew out this pyramid and realized I had been completely negating or lacking the foundation. I just thought thinking was by chance. And I thought that the more my brain worked and wired itself and the faster that it ran, the more productive and happy I would be. And those two things are not correlated. So and that's why the second half of the foundation is connection, right? It's really hard to allow yourself to be self-aware and open up that Pandora's box of even addressing how you feel if you don't have a fail safe to lean back on, i.e., a partner, a spouse, a friend. Because when these are big feelings that you can feel despair, frustration, emptiness, loneliness. Okay, I'm self aware enough to recognize it, but now what do I do with that? So that's why connection has to bolster you, it has to buffer those big feelings. And the average American has, you know, three friends that they really can call on, even though we probably have thousands, if not, you know, more Facebook friends or whatnot. So I think what I had realized that I'd worked so hard to, in my marriage and finding the one, and I was always focused on having a child, having a child, that during the course of medical school and beyond, I'd let many of my friendships dissolve. And it's hard to look at your spouse and make that person, the love of your life, your best friend, your business partner, you need to enrich your social life. And I think that was one of the lessons I learned myself.
0: Well, I can't wait for us to hear more about your pyramid um, later on. Uh, But so you live in British Columbia, and you work in the largest health youth clinic in BC for ages 12 to 24. Knowing that one in five Canadians suffer from a mental health illness, what is it about your work that you're most passionate about? So this was a line of
1: work that I never considered myself going into. It was just something that like working with adolescents, like really, it just, it was never something that I went to medical school for, but we, as a resident, you train in the site as part of your rotations. And it was really my mentor, uh, Dr. Elizabeth Watt, that changed my, I think, my belief system when it came to the pliability of adolescents and that they are so incredible and can teach us so much. And I think I came from a family and I think many of us do that you drive past the mall and you see those kids, those kids that are dressed a certain way or doing certain things and don't associate with those ones, you know? And I think judgment is the word. Um, and I think I led a really sheltered life now looking back, of course, and listening. And I think I feel really blessed to have the childhood that I, I did. But what if you didn't get a start like that in life? Like, I, one of the, my favorite questions that I ask the youth that I work with is, you know, you know, tell me about your childhood. What did, it, what did your childhood look like? Um, and a lot of the times they're like, what childhood? Like, what are you talking about? I was in and out of foster care. You know, both my parents were in prison. I like this is it, this idea of a quintessential family, you know, the the 2.4 siblings or whatever it is, like it doesn't happen. So what if that was your start to life? I hear him sitting here, you know, educated, very sheltered, and I still struggle with my mental health. So then what about them? You know, so I had this uh, patient, it was actually just last week, chatting with me, and he had never talked to anybody about his mental health. And, um, I was seeing him for a different issue and he came and he's like, no, I think I just, I want to talk it out. So I said, perfect. This is what I'm here for. Let's just talk it out. And he's like, but one thing that I've realized is that I see myself as a teenager with potential. And I just took a step back and I said, did you just hear what you said? I said, you see, you are 17 and you can articulate so well. I see myself as someone with potential. I'm going to start asking that to many of my youth because I think, isn't that a differentiating factor? Yes. You see yourself with potential or do you not see yourself with potential? Neither one is right, neither one is wrong, but I think we can learn a lot through the answers of them. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason I love the job so much is because a lot of the times as a physician, your name becomes synonymous with a prescription pad. You know, see your doc, get a pill, go. See your doc. And I tell the youth that I work with just because you mention it doesn't mean we have to medicate it. Right? Just because you mention it doesn't mean you have to medicate it. Mention it. Tell me how you're feeling. But I feel sometimes the pendulum has swung the other way where someone tells me that you're feeling anxious, you have anxiety. You feel depressed, you have depression. Well, no. Right to a
0: diagnosis.
1: Exactly you feel anxious, you feel depressed, you will millions of times in your life. But that doesn't mean you have a diagnosis. And I'm not negating people who actually have a medical diagnosis, not at all. Just that, oh, finding that happy medium is maybe maybe you don't, maybe it's just having keep is it just keep talking to me, keep talking, making sure that you're safe, making sure that you have your supports. you know, trying different things. But if you see yourself as someone with the pot- with potential, that's a win for me, right? So, and I'm-
0: I understand your clinic actually provides resources to these these teens. Like you were saying, sometimes you offer yoga classes. You offer
1: all of it. It is a it is it's incredible. It's a one stop shop, and I that by means it's a three story building. And a teen can walk in there, they can get their pregnancy test, they can get their um, a job application filled out, they can see a counselor, like it's any resource for a child 12 to 24, all in one building, we have drug and alcohol counselors on site, social work, because a lot of the times it's not a med- medical problem that you need help with, it's a social problem. And that's why I have such respect for social workers that can navigate the system like here we are in 2021 and i have youth coming to me saying that they're hungry that they don't have a place to stay that they're worried about their safety you know this this is real yeah. this is like yeah it's this is not a pill fix right
0: no, no no it's it's well your your clinic sounds like a whole whole person approach right the yes. whole you're not just targeting like, oh, you just came in with a cold, like, but you're, you're looking at it as, as, as a complete picture of how can we help this child socially, emotionally, uh, possibly medically um, on all fronts. And that's what I think is so unique. And this is, this was the dream of vision of Dr. Watts, correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. She was a big founder of this and now it's called the foundry and now it's in multiple locations across BC, but yeah, it's such a blessing to work <sighs> there. And don't you think, I think, everyone needs this kind of care. I'm so
0: I agree. I agree. <laughs> Everybody does. As soon as I heard you talking about it on the other podcast, I was like, wait a second. This should be like on every, in every community. Yeah. Oh, and um, so I'm thinking of, of, of our listeners listening Yes. and some of them, some of us have teenagers and they're so hard to connect with. Like you can't get anything out of them. You can't get them to engage, you know, with your family, whatever you want to do. Sometimes it's just such a struggle, right? What's one or two things you would say to a parent listening to this that could help them get like an in and, and try to get something, some sort of feedback from their child? Maybe what like open-ended questions would be a good stem or what approach, is there any like tip you can leave us with in that area?
1: Do you know what? I think a lot of the times that there's that feeling of worthlessness this feeling that i don't have anything to contribute when you when it comes to a youth and i think trying to shift the conversation for them in terms of thinking in the next 5 or 10 years like just tell me what what do you want to be what do you, and surround them by these positive stories of people who are changing people's lives or making a big impact i think they need to see themselves as someone who can contribute and make an impact and I had this youth the other day, and he was talking to me about how he's building this special cage for these animals that he's having. And to be honest, I thought he was spending most days in bed. Like, I really didn't think that he was being productive at all. But he, his eyes just lit up when we began talking about these animals. I think every youth has that. Every youth has that. Ge- for him, it was geckos. So every youth has that gecko, that thing that makes their eyes light up. And it's your job as an adult, your, their parent, their parent, Or even to find them a counselor that can help find that thing that lights their fire. Realizing for you as a parent, sometimes you're too close. And that can be really hard. Maybe, and it's okay, maybe it doesn't have to be you. Maybe your job is finding the other person that they can trust. You know, there was a survey that one in three American kids, you know, have a trusted adult. One in three, which means two in three do not so if you are not that person, make yourself available, but it's okay to hand the baton to a school counselor or somebody else. And once your your child feels comfort and safe, then they will turn back to you. You know, Brene Brown said it best. She said, we raise two types of kids, one that knows to ask for help when they need it, and the other one that doesn't. So if your child at least knows how to ask for help, that's a win.
0: And And they will. Sorry, go ahead.
1: No, no. I just think parents just be kind to yourself like you've raised this little thing since you know, and you know them best. And sometimes it's this push pull. But the more that you can take charge of your own mental health and show them kids respond through actions. If they see you taking the steps, if they see you seeing a counselor, if you need to, if they see you telling your story without shame, hopefully they will learn from that, too.
0: This made me think of my school counselor shared with our staff one time, every kid needs seven, actually seven different people within the school to have that positive connection for them to feel I'm a part, I'm needed, I'm wanted, I make a difference. Seven, that's a lot. A lot. A lot. I mean, we got a lot of work to do. And the other thing that what you said made me think of was a child isn't going to offer information or or risk Asking a question because of what they're going through, unless they, they know that is a trusted adult. Right. And that's so much work on our part, how we help kids. It's okay. If you don't have the right answer, it's okay. You're feeling like that today. That really, that's tough. I'm really sorry. Like them, them knowing you have that empathy towards them opens the door. I say this (laughs) in another podcast, empathy opens the door to connection. Yes, Try it. I know it feels funny because you're like, well, that's stupid. You're just like, I can't believe you're thinking that. But that's what you want to say or But if you're like, okay, that sounds crazy. That they're having a hard time with that. But if you just say, oh man, you're really having a hard time with that. That um, that's really tough. Just say it, and all of a sudden it just they, you know, they you can just see them relax.
1: And don't you feel like we always want to fix things? And I, this is not our fault, too. We As do.
0: I think of society. Exactly. You say it. Here's your answer. You got a problem? Okay, try this.
1: Exactly. Don't you hate it when your spouse, you'll tell them a problem. And then first thing to tell you is how to fix it. Like, I don't want to know. I want want you to empathize with me. I told my husband the other day, I have a really bad headache. He's like, you don't eat enough. You need to eat more. You need to drink more. (laughs) Uh No, 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 no. I have like listened to me. So I think we do the same thing with our kids. It's we do. Normal, right. If they have a booboo, you put a bandaid on it. That's what you're trained to do. But it's OK, like you said, to say, oh, that that's really hard. Yeah, that's really hard. I understand. Right. Yeah. But not offer 10 different solutions for that problem.
0: You know? And I think we will find our kids coming back and yeah. sharing more of what really happened or um, because we're so used to admitting that we had a thought that wasn't so great and getting that criticism. We yes. shouldn't, th- that's not, tr- you shouldn't think that. And it's like, oh crap, now I feel bad for, for, for thinking it. So I'm never going to tell you again what I think, exactly. but if we can just, wow, open up that, that empathy piece. So, and I know you shared this in another um, discussion about, and I just want our listeners to hear what are the top three reasons that you have come to your clinic?
1: Yeah. So really, although we function as a full on walk-in clinic, we can see everything under the sun, but really at the end of the day, number one is mental health, I would say, because we do have a different structure where we can spend a long time as needed. And nowadays it's more of the phone, but still a long time with youth really get the story. Uh, the second one I would say is really contraceptive needs. We hand out free birth control as they need. Um, and it's just really that education piece, right? Um, I'll often get this question, well, why why do I have to worry about it? Well, like that's kind of the way that we were designed. And second of all too, it's, it's this advocacy piece. Like this is a, a chance for me to have a conversation with you about your sexual health, your mental health, and how, um, this openness is really important between us. Right. So I think a lot of the times women, especially walk away from that conversation, feeling a sense of empowerment that they can take charge as they need. Um, the third one would be really sexually transmitted infections as well, which goes hand in hand with the second most common reason. But once again, not feeling a sense of shame or, um, you know, scariness behind those thoughts, but realizing, okay, if this has happened, what do we need to do to treat it? And how do we be more careful the next time? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank you. And, and I know uh, you had started out earlier talking about the phrase, I am enough. And I know we had talked about Blake, my my co from Tom Shoes. And do you know that I actually reached out to his team to see if he'd come on my podcast? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I haven't heard anything. So any of the listeners out there, if you haven't in, that is like such a, a shot in the dark. And I'm like, hey, he says no, I'm not a better horse for it. But I love how you and I were talking recently and you were like, he says this phrase, I am enough. And as soon as you said it, it was just like, we've got to share that like multiple times with moms, right? Like let that sink in. If there's one thing you go away with today, you know what? You are enough. And I I don't know if you want to add anything to it, but when you said that phrase on our last call, I was like, I I just love, I'm just going to sit right there.
1: Exactly. And I think I acknowledge you, you know, I acknowledge for all the effort, all that, that unseen emotional labor that you do. I'm there with you. You know, I see it. I see how much you probably lie awake at night wondering about things, worrying about things. I see you. I see you for who you are. I think moms need to hear that. And moms need to hear that, you know, it's just kind of this, we're expected. I had, it was a beautiful saying once I once asked a mom, I said, and tell me about who you are. And she told me, it's not about who, who I am. It's who I need to be, who I need to be on a Monday versus a Tuesday versus a Wednesday. And it's so dynamics and in flux. Like, Right now after I end this podcast I'll be doing dishes and laundry and knee deep in in diapers and childcare. You know, it's it's really not very glamorous, <laughs> but at the end of the day um, be kind to yourself and realize that sometimes everyone's cup needs to be filled a little bit and the best way to fill it is just to
0: realize you're enough. You are enough. Well, Shahana, thank you so much for taking the time thank to you. share with us today. I can't wait to talk with you again. And, um, we're just going to leave with that one thought. I am enough. Thank you so much.
1: Love it. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, that's all we've got for this episode of the mom empowerment podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. I can't wait to help you live a happier, healthier life with your kids. Click subscribe today. And we can't wait to have you join us on our next episode. Thanks again. And remember, don't worry, be happy. Hey there, it's Karin. I hope that you're enjoying the show. And by the way, if you're a mom who wants to learn how to help your child when they're struggling behaviorally or facing challenges in school, get started today by getting my free short video course on First Steps to Mom empowerment. Go to www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in learning how to have a happy life and healthy life with your kids. So head on over to www.educationalimpactacademy.com forward slash free video and grab your free gift today.